Welcome back to Restless. I'm Father Joseph Gill, along with Paul, Joe, and Lauren. As together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's crazy and mixed up world. And last month, we had uh, kind of a pretty exciting thing happen in the world, especially in our country, and that is the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the Dobbs versus Hodgkins? Hodgson's or whatever it is, um, the court case. And that came out on uh, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which was very exciting, great timing, along with the uh, normal years, it's also going to be the Feast of the Birth of St. John the Baptist, kind of very fitting days. And we want to kind of talk about that and how how that's going to impact the pro-life movement, how that impacts us personally, because all of us are very deeply invested in the pro-life cause. And kind of just what's the what's the forward. And, and thankfully, you know, Joe's a paralegal, so he's going to speak a little bit about the legal uh, elements of that case. And so what was your reaction when you did hear the news that Roe versus Wade had been overturned? Well, I think it was kind of a weird, weird reaction because just uh, the facts and circumstances that led up to the release is that, you know, we had the leaked opinion about a month or so prior, um, which doesn't happen. I don't know if that's ever happened, but... Um, I think that was the first time. It was the first time, yeah. And so, I mean, that created all types of craziness politically and in social circles and with the justices, um, especially the conservative justices. And so we, um, so when it actually came out, I wasn't particularly surprised. It was more of, I was relieved because it did come out. It came out as we had expected it. The, the, the actual, it was a little weird the way it was written with the diff, two different rulings, but in case, um, uh, but I was relieved, I would say, hmm. cause it was finally here. We thought it would be coming and now it was here. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't decide in the run-up to the actual to the release of the actual opinion if I thought that the opinion as we saw it leaked would be the opinion because it was draft and we don't know. All we knew is that at that moment there were five votes for it, um, and I saw that it was overturned and immediately had to go into a closing, and so I couldn't look at my phone for like half an hour. But I oh, felt no. my whole leg vibrating the entire time with all the people texting me and like you know. So um, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, praise God, right? I, mean, I think I actually emailed you all, praise God, within ten minutes of the opinion being released. Um, <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's an amazing day for this country, um, and it's the writing of an incredibly, of, of a true calamity, right, of, of a legal and moral calamity, which was visited on us 50 years ago, yeah. or however long ago it was. So Yeah, 49 years. Mm-hmm. I would say I was delighted. Uh, I found out through uh, one group chat of, like, local women um, in Stanford, one of whom is really active in the pro-life movement, and then there was a family group chat that came right after that. Um, and, um, kind of like Paul said, it wasn't a surprise. Um, you know, we've been clued into this being the likely result, I think for six months now, I, for the first time ever in my life, I paid attention to the March for life, the, the day it actually happened. And all the reporting, you know, on that day was everyone that was being interviewed was saying it's going to be overturned this year. Mm. So it's, it's been expected all year. And then obviously there was the draft leaked opinion. Um, so we knew it was coming. It was just a matter of, of when. So it was, you know, really exciting. I can honestly say I didn't ever see it coming in my lifetime. Not me neither. I really thought that we would have this till the end of time. Well, going back a few years, I could say the same thing. And I remember, uh, you know, past presidential uh, debates where the abortion topic always comes up and it's always so heated and thinking, why is this even being debated again? You know, like abortion is never going to become illegal, just feeling like it it, it could never change. And then finding out that um, there were issues, right, with Roe versus Wade and that there was no constitutional right to an abortion. Roe versus Wade was entirely made up law. And it was yeah. founded on other well, it wasn't. Laws. It wasn't a law. That's well, well, the problem. It was, no, no. Yeah. What, what it, as, a as a matter of case law, it was not only completely fabricated, but based on other cases which were completely fabricated. 
Um, yeah. So just like to the, to the extent that uh, the late Justice Ginsburg said it was effect effectively said the same thing that it kind of lacked a solid basis. Yeah. It was legally weak as weak as very weak. But um, <laughs> sorry about that it was it was legally, weak as a donkey that yeah. just gave birth. Weak as something. Um, weak as something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I didn't think that there was a fifth vote to overturn it. I thought that there were a lot of seventh votes to overturn it. Right. Like a lot of people would be happy to join opinion that overturned it if they weren't the deciding vote so i mean praise god that there were five people who had the courage to do so yeah but what was that deal with the sixth vote right so okay really quick background it takes five votes to cast an opinion in the supreme court you can decide a case on just the question presented so the question in this case was can the mississippi law be allowed to stand which banned abortions after 15 weeks yes to that proposition that that uh, that law can be allowed to stand there were five votes to say, yes, it can be allowed to stand because Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided and its entirety needs to be overruled. That was the majority opinion. Chief Justice John Roberts, the sixth opinion, said actually there was two holdings to Roe. There was the right to privacy slash right to abortion. And then there was a question of like um, 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 the, the, what tests you apply and, and what, how much like kind of wiggle room do we have. He focused on the second one and said, well, the, the undue burden by Planned Parenthood versus Casey actually doesn't make a lot of sense. And so this law can be about to stand, not because Roe is wrong, but because this one holding from Roe and Casey, and Casey are wrong. Yeah, which is so it was a lot very, more narrow. Very narrow. So, his, so the Roe was overturned not because of his efforts, but because of the efforts of the other five, part because of his efforts. Hmm. So, I, but one thing we, we have to be very clear, because a lot of people were super rejoicing, is that Roe, the overturning of Roe versus Wade does not make abortion illegal. Yeah. It just sends it back to the states, right? Which Correct. living in the Northeast in Connecticut, yeah, it changes I mean, nothing. It changes absolutely nothing. Actually, in fact, they might get more extreme. Well, in, in our tax states. dollars will be used to pay for abortions for women in Alabama within the next few years, guaranteed. Guaranteed, Connecticut will be funding travel for people to come have abortions here. Mm. So they will get worse, actually, in some parts of the country. I would say. Well, I'm starting to see businesses doing oh, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I can understand, honestly, from a financial standpoint, because it's easier to have an abortion than to, to have to pay health insurance for a child for 20 years. Maternity leave. Maternity leave. Maternity leave all that. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's that to me is really atrocious that businesses will do bend over backwards for that. Yeah. And a lot of these companies, I mean, there there are large tech companies and banks and things. And it's like these are it's hard to live without these particular companies. That's a separate issue. But it's it's just like, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So what was the reaction of your family and friends? Did you guys have do you have pro-choice friends who had a very different reaction? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Direct quote from one of my college friends. Are they going to go after contraceptive next? Meant ironically, although although Justice yeah, Thomas said maybe well, that's a little more complicated than that. But but yeah, the Justice Thomas opened some doors for for sure. But um, yeah, no, I mean uh, a lot of ridiculous Facebook posts, right? I don't. Uh, have Facebook, I have a lot. I've seen a lot of ridiculous Facebook posts. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually so my company, my company has been generally I, they're they're okay. They're like more balanced than most companies, but generally like lean liberal. They actually sent out a fairly balanced, I think because I'm not quiet at my company, I think that they really? they sent out a fairly balanced note being like, there's a lot of opinions about this. Some people will be happy. Some people will be sad. But it's, you know, but please respect each other's opinions and it's a oh, workplace and move on. Because it was actually balanced, very balanced. I was shocked. Yeah. And so one of my friend, one of my like coworkers who we're both Catholic and like, I'm not closeted Catholic. She is. Um, we were like <laughs> texting back and forth being like, wow, that was actually a pretty nice, that was a pretty good note like for, for my company. So anyway. that's funny. I, I agreed with a Facebook post from a, a pro-choice friend of mine 
And in agreeing with it, she unfriended me. Nice. Because the Facebook post was was a quote from um, a quote from a very uh, liberal source that said, you know, all these people are just pro. You know, if you only want the birth of the child but not the upraising and everything, you're pro birth. You're not pro life. Mm-hmm. And I said, I absolutely agree. And thank goodness we have all these crisis pregnancy centers that are yeah. willing to give you formula and diapers and you know financial aid and all this stuff and you know job training. And she unfriended me. And that behold, progressive tolerance. I, well, yeah, but I mean, I was thinking how how ill what an, what a straw man argument. To say, oh, all you you know, pro pro lifers are just really pro birth. Yeah, I mean, back in back in the seventies, this probably I mean there wasn't there wasn't that network of like pro life support centers out there. But it's like, okay, well, we fix that. I think that's Not- one of many lies that is being spread by the pro choice folks. Um, to um, really, it's just spread fear and control people, right? Mm. Because we know it is movement is only about, you know, protecting that life of that child until it's born. And there's pregnancy centers all over the place as we're talking about, but what is the other side doing? They're burning them down. I know. Yep. Why why destroy pregnancy centers that are helping women? Are you for women if that's your reaction? It makes no sense. Right. Well, they're not for women or against women. They're for narrative and political expediency. But looking at it from a spiritual perspective, I'm going to say something that, that could potentially be controversial, but abortion is Satan's sacrament. Mm-hmm. Satan loves abortion. He loves the destruction of human life because this is the greatest gift that God gave us, in this innocent child in the womb. So, so there's a spiritual component that a lot of people are being motivated by, willingly, wittingly or unwittingly, to really kind of froth at the mouth about this, this so-called right to abortion. Absolutely, and I think we're seeing that more and more because I, I think the general used to genuinely not know, you know, what was the developmental stage of the unborn child as as the pregnancy progressed. And um, people could say it's a clump of cells or it's not a, a... Now we know like day by day in the beginning, week by week. Yeah. We know um, what is done in an abortion procedure. You can Google it and find a YouTube cartoon video. People are very well aware that this is a human life that is being ended and they're still fighting for that right. That that was an argument back in the 90s. I mean, in that that argument, like it, it, from a scientific perspective, it's almost it's almost not brought up anymore. Like it, now it's 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 completely focused away from the baby, which is where the focus sh- should be to to women's rights issue, which is a different it's just it's just ignoring the actual substance and focusing on something yeah. that's 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 an effect. Yeah, see, the smart like, pro the smart pro choicer says this is a difficult question because what you're talking about the competition between two people's rights, and the question is how do you resolve that in favor of the mother or the child? But the average pro choicer says there is no right to the child of, of the child. There's only the question of what the mother is allowed to do. Correct. Yeah. And, and you know, part of that challenge is that that a, to to know some somebody's versus like the biology. Okay, when, when does a person receive rights? Well, that's a philosophical and theological question. It's not something you can scientifically test. You know, you don't know, okay, at this moment, this, you know, this zygote, this fetus has received rights. You don't know that. I mean, our faith tells us that at, at conception is the new human soul, but you can't pe- test that scientifically. So a lot of people will say, well, well, we don't know when the fetus receives rights or whatever. But if that's the case, if we really don't know, then we have to err on the side of caution. Right? And I would because say too, we know it is of the human species. And distinct from the mother. And we and know we know that father. you know, it is going to grow. We know the course of, of what has begun since conception. And the other thing that, you know, you'll find all the time is, well, your faith tells you 
that life begins at conception, but science doesn't prove that. And it's like, no, actually, science that life begins at conception. And in any other um, area where we want to create life, whether it's like for animals, for breeding, right? We know what needs to be done to create that new life. Right. Okay. It's always the same process. So we know through science, this is when life begins, but people love to have that um, debate. I guess it's a way out for them. Um, you know, cause there's like the discussion of, well, it's really the implantation and what about miscarriages and such, but it's a new life as, uh, you know, we all know and, um, completely new genetic code right from that moment of fertilization. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if you look at a lot of pagan, pagan religions over time, child sacrifice, human sacrifice generally, and then particularly child sacrifice was just kind of a common, common feature of these paganisms and so we have our modern material secular paganism that's taken over the world and um or at least in western civilization and this is our version of child sacrifice is that the case um in the old testament with the the people who worshiped baal they were sacrificing their unborn or their babies is that correct uh not to baal so much as molech okay molech was one yeah there have been a lot of memes about Molech in the, in the sense there have been a lot of memes of uh, Rowan Casey, and I mean right outside of um, right outside of um, Jerusalem was a valley called the Valley of Ben Hinnom, and the Valley of Ben Hinnom was a, basically a constantly burning fire because back in those days they didn't have trash removal, right? So they would just throw their garbage in this trash removal. But also in that area of this constantly burning fire is they would sacrifice humans, sacrifice children, and so when Jesus talks about Gehenna. In, in the Gospels, he's talking about, he's actually using this word, the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is a place where the fire never dies and where children are sacrificed. And I think that just speaks to uh, like what Paul is saying and the, the spiritual side of this is an evil, demonic spirit that has been corrupting and leading people astray since humans have existed. You know, it's the same practice of sacrificing your own child just done in a different form. And people are still being deceived or thinking it's not a human life or not caring that it's a human life and their own child. Well, Paul, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking of the example of uh, Stevie Nicks from mm -hmm. Fleetwood Mac, mm -hmm. who you may remember a couple of years ago in 2020, she came out and said that without her abortion, Fleetwood Mac would not be a thing. So she was willing to sacrifice her child on the altar of her dreams and her, her fame and her, her career. Yeah, I'm not a big Fleetwood Mac fan, so... <laughs> <laughs> not. I guess I'm not maybe, either, but my, sis my sister-in-law's name is Stevie. After the singer. But that's oh, what really? people don't realize. I know, right? That's what people yeah. don't realize about abortion. I think that a lot of people, on both sides, frankly, don't really understand who we're talking about when we're talking about people who have abortions. Because the, the, the people who are pro-choice would have you believe that it's always an, like a, a child who was raped and therefore she has to have an abortion. That's obviously, statistically speaking, almost no people. It's like less than 1%. Yeah. But the people on the right would have you believe that it's only like super reckless teenagers and like people in their 20s who just want to be able to have sex with abandon and then have abortions as a form of birth control. That's not really true either. In a lot of cases, it's like, you know, middle-aged people who have kids and don't think they can afford another one, don't want to have to make life changes. Sometimes it's married couples. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And they say, well, I can't afford a fourth kid. And so I can't, you know, I can't work more, whatever it is. So, so I, this is an option available to me, right? Like that's actually who we're talking about. Yeah. In a lot of and, it's, and it's the sacrificing your child on the altar of your, of your life, of your current family, of your career, of your social status in some cases, right? Yeah. And without a doubt, I mean, it, it would take sacrifice to raise a child right. in a difficult mm -hmm. circumstance. But I, mean, I think it's always better to exist than not exist, even if your life is rough and 
know, not filled with glitter and vacations. Right. And I guess from the women's rights, maybe Lauren, I have a question for you, is that when I hear things like, well, women are, you know, they won't be able to, you know, attain their dreams or like the Stevie Nicks thing or, or have a career in that because, you know, they won't be equal then. I think about like, man, if I was like a woman, which I'm not, <laughs> um, like I would be. I was so, doubting that the whole time, but I would be uh, glad you thanks, clarified. Um, I'd be so like deeply insulted because it's like, wait a second, why are you telling me what I can and cannot do? What do you tell? Like I, I, what, why can't I do both? You know, I, I don't know from like a even like a like a women's liberal perspective. Like, what? Why is why is that the case? Why are you demeaning women in that way? Well, that's why I think Amy Coney Barrett is such a great example because she has six kids six seven kids seven two are adopted and yeah. and she's on the supreme court i mean yeah. here's somebody who's obviously living her dreams and being a great mother yeah i think that's a lie that the uh the um pro-choice side spreads actually you know they are put out in society as this is the side that supports women but they are actively telling women who go into the abortion clinic you can't be a full-time college student and a young mother or you can't raise this child on your own because the father is absent so they are suppressing women by offering this alternative right which is not supportive it's really destructive right it's it's harmful i mean Beyond the like the physical harmful effects of an abortion, which if you could just imagine, it seems like an awful thing to do to your body. It's also like mentally uh, very taxing, and women go through depression and suicidal, you know, attempts and thoughts and depression. Like, and it causes cancer. Like, there's so many things that could happen from having an abortion that are terrible to women. Beyond just the immediate, you cannot do this. You cannot do both. Whatever. The pro-life movement is the exact opposite, right? Saying you can. And here are organizations that Father Joseph mentioned that can help you, right? Like they exist in every city and the other side is constantly trying to defund them, make them illegal, get rid of them, and now actively destroy them, right? By firebombing them. <laughs> um, but I think it's a huge lie. And we all know that like there's a huge women's liberation movement and it's been going on for years, right? Like women can do it all. You can have this job. You can. So it's just a total farce that you can't be a mother and accomplish your, you know, your career goals. And, and let's just say there was a company or some kind of acting gig or a band or something that said, oh, actually, we're not going to accept you because you're expecting. Well, that's discrimination and it's illegal. And you can take that organization to court and you would win. You know what I mean? Or like you well, find an alternative. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you could take Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac to court if you have a baby, but... But you know To live is to choose. And any choice you make, you have to die to the other options that you didn't choose. And the reality is that most people who get pregnant choose to have sex. You want to say that on the on, on the radio? Sex? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I have to twice, so I guess it's too much. We're looking glass now, aren't we? All right. Um, if anybody has eight-year-olds, please yeah, cover yeah, their yeah. ears. Yeah, yeah. They know the program. topic because we said um, it from the beginning. Yeah. That's right. But, but, you know, I mean, like, the reality is that you made a choice. And, you know, this is... Um, We've spoken before about the radical obsession with autonomy Americans have. And this is the worst example of it, right? It's, I can do whatever I want with my body. And you have no right to impose any responsibility on me or any of the of the of the you know of the effects of my actions. I can't be a force to feel any of them. So I wanted I wanted to have a relationship with somebody, and I got pregnant. And you can't force me to live with the consequences of that. It's 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 a, it's it's I mean, it's grotesque. Well, you hit on the point that 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 abortion is one of the many offshoots of a deeper root, and that deeper root is the sexual revolution, which detaches sex from 
marriage, sex from commitment, sex from reproduction. And and the core then, the key to get back to holiness is not to pass laws, but ultimately to live chastity. Because I was having this conversation with my brother, um, my brother who doesn't believe in God, at least publicly, he says he's an atheist. And we were talking about the Me Too movement. And the Me Too movement, which has been, you know, so bad for for women, or, you know, for for really the culture, just to recognize recognizing that there is really a culture of rape sometimes. And he said, oh, you know, we got to do this law and that law. And I said, well, why not just practice chastity? And he said, chastity? Who believes in that anymore? Right. And yeah, that's that's the reality is that if people practice chastity, there would be less need for abortion. I know it's a radical solution. Yeah, there was there was yeah. articles that came out and other news stories and things about how. Women are going to have to rethink their lives, and they're going to be more choosy when considering to have relations with men. It's like, oh, yeah. good. Oh, it's like why you're, and that's a, and they know that, but but they're, the the bias of the news story is, is it's a terrible thing, right? Like that shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be the burden of the woman. It's like, what do you mean, this burden? Right, burdened with the consequences of your actions. Yeah, and, and it's true that men have less consequences when they have sex with whomever they want. It's, but can I say, I love the, well, I have an idea. How about now if a man fathers a child, he has to pay for it. And it's like, you just you just invented out, you just invented child support. Congratulations. <laughs> what are you talking about? Have <laughs> you ever seen you are the father or you are not the father? Like, what do you, do you not, you're not living <laughs> the world? What are you talking about? Have, have you seen that show? <laughs> yeah. I've seen clips of it. Jerry Springer. I know it exists. Jerry Springer, by the way, is recorded right here in Stanford, Connecticut. For all of you listeners. When, when it was on the air. Was it no longer in the air? No. That's good. anyway so you know so as we're talking about the nation really is still divided so what do you think is the future of this fight i mean are we still going to remain a divided nation is it ever going to go back to the supreme court or uh you know is the congress going to pass a law that that makes it legal in all 50 states i mean no what do you foresee the future of the fight being um the pro-life movement is about to find out that the republican party doesn't actually care about it very much and that they were a means to an end of mobilizing voters um, and they're going to regret the extent to which they have associated themselves with the Republican Party and not the Democratic Party. Because what's going to happen is a lot of Republicans who are, 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 are going to start saying, well, I'm 100% pro-life. That means a 15-week abortion ban. Does it? Is that what we fought for? Did anybody think that's what we were talking about? Um, mm. This is going to be a much slower, more incremental process than people are ready for. It's not going to change the majority of the country. And, and the places where it is going to change already had almost no abortions. The, the, the reality, and sorry, I am the pessimist in the room, but the reality is that the abortion rate in this country is not going to be changed very much because of this opinion. That's a much longer fight. Well, you look at New York and California. Right. Yeah. Much longer fight. I look at it as this is actually the beginning. Yeah, of a long right. Fight. This is this is this is the beginning of this because before it, we had this impediment, and a lot of like you were saying, a lot of politicians could hide behind. Yeah, I'm hundred percent pro life. What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does it even mean? I mean, I, I would hope that there's. I hope that people mean what they say and say what they mean, at least on the Republican side. That's probably not always the case or frequently the case. But um, but I think it starts now. And so the state by state pro-life movement, like it would always be like the first March for Life ever in Connecticut we had in 2022. It's like, well, that is Which actually is now more mind boggling because like how why did we not do that earlier? I don't know. Um, but but now it now we actually now it actually becomes more important. And I'm grateful it's not in January, the coldest month of the year. <laughs> that's true. Um yeah, and what what's the March for Life in Washington look like? Because I always well, why bother at this point? That's not what the fight is anymore. Yeah, the it's fight's just, not there anymore. Yeah, I mean it's a show of support, and obviously if the Congress or starts moving toward laws and things, I think that they would have to be challenged constitutionally. I'm not sure, um, but I, I don't yeah. think it's I don't think the current state of politics is the case where the the where Neither House, or, House know, or the Senate would even have would yeah. have the will to take that up. Well, it's so dividing. Well, I guess the question is, you know, we got midterm elections coming up very shortly. And the question is, is this going to galvanize 
pro-choice uh, people yeah. to say let's right. let's let's put this now through the legislative branch instead of the judicial. It, it might, and that's you know the reality is that the overturning of Roe versus Wade is not. It is a victory for the pro-life movement, but it is not the victory of the pro-life movement because what it does is say we can have politics on this question again. Mm. And um, we have been prevented from having real politics on abortion for 50 years because it was taken out of the hands of legislatures. Yes. That's not going to be the case anymore. Pro-lifers are going to lose a lot of fights. They're going to win a lot of fights too, but we're going to lose a lot of fights. Especially going to be a lot, like they're going to be, they're going to be a lot of, you know, they're going to be a lot of very um, stupid legislators. Legislators are going to say, um, even if it's stillborn, is if a woman has a stillborn child who is going to kill them, they still can't remove the... You know, like there are going to be all kinds of crazy, radical, not even keeping with Catholic teaching rules. They're going to pass legislatures in places because, you know, and, and then they're going to be pointed to in places like New York and California and they're going to radicalize the pro-choice side. Like, it's going to be a lot of... It's going to be very messy, is my point. It's going to be very messy. And I think so the think, need to steal themselves for that fight. So in a sense, you're saying it might be even more divided in the fact that pro-choice states will get more pro-choice. Pro-life yeah, states will get so absurdly pro-life that... Yeah, well, there's nothing worse for movement than success. Because um, you end up with all kinds of grifters who want to keep the movement going afterwards, and then you have to actually legislate and govern and make decisions that are unpopular. It's one thing to say, I'm 100% pro-life, and then you have to actually say, okay, legislature that has Democrats in it who are pro-choice, this is what we're going to do. And you're going to start losing people. It's just going to get complicated. Politics are messy. So this is not going to, I'm just saying it's not going to be a clean thing. It sounds, it's, not, it's not a five-year plan. It's, it's like another 500 years of this fight, right? Like, oh my so, gosh. I, I hope think, Christ comes again before then. Well, he very well might. Um, so I think you you asked a question about is this going to cause more division in the country? We've already seen a sorting of people in the country. You see red states getting red, which is like shocking, but like red states are getting redder and blue states are getting bluer as people red people move from blue states to red states. Um, uh, not communists, just to and and but it's <laughs> what about happening. The purple people. Yeah, there are purple states still, although the the number of purple states has been dwindling. Like Ohio is always a swing state, and now it's like looking yeah. like it's probably going to be pretty red for. Yeah, but well, Florida, Florida used to be the big swing state. Not, yeah, not now it's now. pretty galvanized toward red, and like Texas was going blue, but then the Hispanic population has been starting to vote Republican more and more, and so so we're seeing this sorting in the country, and it's like, well, that's kind of how it's supposed to be, but I think the sorting is okay when it's like individual political issues, but I think it's the sorting now is happening based on like really fundamental. Um, like moral beliefs and um, and social social beliefs that really weren't a problem in the country before that now are. Yeah. As opposed to we want more government or less government. Now it's we're disagreeing on fundamental issues of life and things like that, which is going to be very difficult to solve. Yeah. And so we're going to see a continued sorting. Which is why I've always hated when people just kind of lump this in with culture war. Yeah. issues you know okay this is this is bigger than like are, are we this in pronouns yeah this is in pronouns this is not censoring a movie this is like a matter literally of life and death for 60 million babies i mean this for me it's more than a cultural issue so yeah and uh so we know that the the battle is now within the states right within each state and um we have a planned parenthood in stanford connecticut that should really be shut down and that will take pro-lifers, right? And Catholics actually coming out to make that happen. Mm. Um, there's a nonprofit called 40 Days for Life, where you have 40 straight days of public presence in front of a Planned Parenthood 24 hours a day. We have how many thousands of Catholics in Fairfield County? I don't know the statistics, it, we, but it's a lot. We've covered it before. We have a lot <laughs> of Catholics here. Or something. Yeah. You know, can we get like, I don't know, 10 to 20 people to show up Every day, all day, to shut down our Planned Parenthood where we know that lives are being ended and that they have been ended. I mean, that would be a great 
step right here in Stanford. Um, and it just boggles my mind that we have the Sisters of Life Retreat Center here. We have all these Catholic churches. We have all these Catholics, and we're all just okay. Well, I mean, maybe we're not okay, but we're not bold enough and we're not courageous enough to go stand in front of it and pray the rosary once a week, which I know because I've done it, and it's a small group of people that are actually willing to do it. Yeah. And uh, now the other side is more activated, and they have more chaperones on Wednesday and Friday mornings. So our local center could use your support to show up on a Wednesday or a Friday before you go into the office between 7 and 10 a.m. and just pray a rosary or just be supportive, you know, just just get there. And um, I think the other thing we can do is know what are the other resources. So in Stanford, we have Hopeline Pregnancy Resource Center located on Summer Street in Stanford. Maybe go to their website, look at what they do, be able to offer that as an alternative to somebody if you happen to be in a in a conversation with somebody or figure out what they may need. We have Malta House in Norwalk, right? I mean, these nonprofits need funding, support, diapers, right? All these kinds of things that we can do to support the pro-life movement. Yeah. And finally, I just want to conclude by, by mentioning that if, if any woman listening to this has had an abortion, the Catholic Church has a lot of outreaches to people with, uh, who are suffering from, from the depression, from the guilt of the post-abortive uh, situation. For example, the Sisters of Life here in Stanford do offer retreats that are healing, mm-hmm. and there's a wonderful ministry called Rachel's Vineyard, which is run by the diocese, uh, which offers retreats. I've helped on one of the retreats. It was extremely powerful mm-hmm. and a very healing presence. So remember that God's mercy is stronger than whatever sin we've ever committed, and even this sin can be forgiven by the love of God, and we can find that peace again. So do not despair. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Restless. Let's go out and do our part to bring the good message of life, that life is such a great gift given to us by God. Bring it to the ends of the earth. Pray for an end to abortion throughout our land. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. <laughs>